Welcome to Deep Thoughts from the Back Pew, where two churchgoers spend some time ignoring the logs in their own eyes to pass judgment and hopefully occasionally provide meaningful analysis of the weekly sermon from their pastor. This is Kathleen and Joel, and here are some deep thoughts from the Back Pew. Welcome back to the Back Pew. Don't do a weird voice. Don't, don't do weird voices. This isn't one of those kind of podcasts. Oh, I but I have lots of weird voices that I could do. I'll do it. Welcome to the Back Pew. <laughs> Welcome back to the Back Pew. This is Joel. This is Kathleen. That was not one of my weird voices. It was just awkward. <laughs> yeah, we're getting really good at this. Yep, obviously. Uh, before we get into... Um, the sermon before we let PTW take off. We do have a couple of quick announcements. <laughs> I just a mental picture of him flying. Go on. It's like the flying nun. With his arms better. out wide, the air, the air going through his... I, I won't make fun of his hairline, actually. He's got a pretty decent head of hair for his age. Which is young. Uh, <laughs> anyways. Which is not young. So first, we do have an email address now. It's backpewpod, all one word. It sounds dirty. No, it doesn't. <laughs> okay. It's a family podcast. Okay, uh, so you can email us if we say something or if you have something to say or you want to add something to our conversation, please feel free to email. And if we agree with you, we'll read it out online. And if we don't, we'll pretend you didn't send it. Unless you are PTW and then we will read whatever you say verbatim in our new section. Pastor Todd corrects us. Uh, <laughs> we don't have all day. It's already way too long of a podcast, so... Keep it short, Todd. Because yeah. uh, he's al- always followed that advice really well. We also have a Patreon page now. So for those of you who don't know, because my mother listens to this, Patreon is a website that allows you to support this podcast because it does cost a few dollars a month to get it online and to run the servers and those kind of things. So if you'd like to help us keep the lights on here, quite literally, it's patreon.com slash backpewpod, patreon.com slash backpewpod. I'll put a link uh, in the description. Honestly, please don't give us money, Mom. Uh, the rest of you can. And anything we get that goes over what we pay, literally pay to keep this online, we're just going to give to the church. So... Don't give too much. No, give a lot if oh, you're give giving a, it to yeah, the give church. Yeah, give a ton. Yeah. But, but to be real, you probably want it under your own tax ID and not ours. Yeah. So, or well, I don't and, know. Go. <gasps> wait, does Starbucks count different? as the church? No, go. All right, we need to move on. <laughs> All right. If you want to buy me coffee, just buy me coffee then, I guess. There you go. That feels like a lot cleaner. All right. And now, the PTW. Well, today we uh, conclude a sermon series that's been called The Restoration Project, and we've been talking about how the power of Jesus Christ restores our lives, and last week was kind of the emotional peak of this sermon because we talked specifically about how when we are in times of suffering and we surrender that suffering to Jesus, he opens up a work of restoration that is truly and must be called miraculous, and a lot of you related to that. And a lot of you heard he that says of his own sermon. <laughs> to, be <laughs> to be fair, he has like a line you, of people that's awesome. that's the that like tell him afterwards. As we conclude the sermon series, my final question is, does the Lord have a word like that for us? 
you and me, Todd. That he prepared for the people who are together here this morning. Does the Lord He's got energy today. Yeah. Oh, I think our volume is just up really high. He does, and I'm going to bring it out of the book of Joel. I can summarize He's the book of Joel. Book of Joel. The best named book. It's about bugs. Don't get too excited. Ignoring God. They're just in a place of just spiritual apathy. And they also locusts. The They're in a place of apathy and, and locusts. <laughs> back into the center of his life because he always wants to bless and renew and be with his people, but they are having none of it. And so after time, after time, after time, God decides to send in a real wake-up call in the form of a locust plague. Locusts are insects, think grasshoppers, and when they come in the tens of millions in massive clouds, which they do, and eat everything in sight, that is seriously my nightmare. <laughs> Because in an ancient agricultural society, if everything living has now been eaten up, you are weeks away from starvation. But what is the Lord trying to do through this dramatic intervention? He's trying to come back into the center of his people's lives. Here's the connection that I'm trying to make. I believe today, even in this sermon, (laughs) God is issuing a wake-up call to his church here in America. And the fact of the matter is, is that Many churches in America today are on the wrong side of what I call the congregational life cycle. I'm going to take you through today. I can do it quickly, but I got to take you through the congregational life cycle so you can see what we are facing as the people of God today. And more importantly, we can hear what God wants to do in response to what is happening in our day and our generation. So I'm going to go fast, but I'm going to try to make it interesting as I talk about the congregational life cycle. How do churches get here and become churches? Well, it starts with vision. The first stage is the birth of a vision. A group of Jesus followers come together because they believe they're meant to work together, and then they begin to pray. And here's how they pray. God, what area do you want us to reach people for you and bring them together as a congregation? Where, Lord? Where do you want us to target here our I efforts am, to reach Lord. people for Jesus and bring them together under your lordship? Nope, maybe it's a, a neighborhood. Maybe it's a new development. Maybe it's a certain side of town. Song. Maybe it's an entire it's region. But sure. they pray until they have clarity about the area where they're going to start <laughs> reaching people for Jesus and Christ and there. bringing them together. That's how it all begins with the birth of a vision. And then they go to work. <laughs> And then they just get out into the community and they go to all their friends and they start gathering people in to worship Jesus Christ. And this stage of development is called growth and vitality. By growth, I mean more people are coming to church. More kids are coming to youth group. More people are stepping up into salvations and baptisms and ministry and it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger because they're working the kingdom of God. Now, when you're in this stage, you're primarily doing three things. Number one, you're praying constantly so that the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit is on the leading edge of bringing more people to Jesus Christ. You are giving generously. You (laughs) sacrifice your time because you don't have a full-time secretary. You don't have a full-time youth director. Everybody's got to do everything all the time because that's what it takes to get a congregation up and started and growing. And you are also trying anything. This is the risk-taking phase of a congregation. You're just going to try anything to get people out in your community aware that you are a Christian congregation. You're going to try anything to connect people to Jesus Christ. So one uh, criticism, I guess, one concern I have about the modern church when we talk about why it's dying. Just the one. Just the one. 
Um, really, it is just the one. Um, and it, it all kind of comes back to this, well, too, um, the taking care of people thing. But also the there is a literal commandment from literal God in Matthew, right? God, God says, I command you, go and make disciples of all men. Go become fishers of men. I, God, command you. This is my commandment. That's a commandment from God. We have to follow it. And I don't think that a visitor-focused church— You sound like a person from the 80s using the language visitor-focused church. I don't think a church that is focused on bringing people to Jesus, bringing people in— We call them seeker churches now. Being a seeker church. I don't think it means we sacrifice everything, our beliefs and our— or everything to make it more comfortable for, you know, we don't become a church of nothing. We don't say, Hey, you know, if it brings people in, we'll watch football on Sundays. Even though I think if we put football on the big screen, we get a lot of people in church. I don't think that's what it means. We can watch it after church together. But I do think when, when we have these, these fights that people have over what color the carpet's going to be. We're putting in new carpet and we can't change the color of the carpet. It's been red for 40 years and you can't change the color of the carpet. And it's just like, no, we, we need to bring people into church. It's a commandment from God. It might not be the only thing he commanded us to do, but it is something he commanded us to do. And so it should be at the forefront of everything we do should be the question of, well, okay, is this bringing other people to God? Is it bringing people closer to God? Or is it just what we like? And it's okay to do things we like, but we do need to weigh them against, are we following the commandments of God? I hear what you're saying, Joel, but what about me? You should be doing what God says to do. Oh, wait, but what about the things I like? It's okay. We can do the things we no, like. No, you can't if it, if it detracts um, from the yeah, mission. Sorry. If it, I, I if am it shuts the door, about that. If it, if it makes the door sticky to a visitor, like if they can't get that door open because you like it sticky, we're, we're fixing the hinge. And part of that is if you walk into a church and it feels like a time warp um, where literally you listen to songs that sound like you are on the Titanic when you're singing them, um, then and what are you doing to connect with the culture grinder. at that point? I love the organ. It's what I grew up with. I love folk music. It's what I grew up with in our church. But, man, you just got to go hardcore and go all the way because the goal is to make disciples of all men. When you're in one of the most diverse communities and you have access to just tons of young people and kids in the areas directly around your church and you uh, aim the worship of your church at people who experienced church over the last 40 to 50 years, um, particularly white people. Um, I mean, you're yeah. not, you're not doing the go and make... you got to We're not called to make disciples. We are commanded because that's what matters the most. Did <laughs> oh, you know yeah. that in the early history of our Pretty church, sure. when our church was in this growth and vitality phase, they flew an airplane over this property and they had gathered dozens of neighborhood kids and they said, Baker's kids, dozens. just stand here and something as special is going to happen. And as those kids on this property were standing there, the airplane flew over and they dumped buckets of candy oh, out of the airplane. No, I, isn't that unsafe? In other words, they were saying to the kids, if you come here, candy literally rains from the sky. 
And of course, every kid went home and said, Mommy and Daddy, I'm not sure what that place is, but we've got to go back there because candy <laughs> comes down from the sky. Evangelism. Jesus loves you. He'll try cookie. anything. Do what you have to in do. In this stage, to help people become aware of the opportunity to follow Jesus and be in a community of people who are serious about it. Now, that phase can go on and on and on and on, but eventually, in most cases, you come to the next phase, which is status quo and plateau. We've Status quo it means way. it just stays the same. And a plateau means you're not growing anymore, okay? There's not a large number of baptisms anymore. The new members' classes are modest. You're taking in new people, but you're also losing people out the back door, or you're losing people as they age out and die. You're hanging in there. It's <laughs> a good time. I thought that was people a People are satisfied. <laughs> age out. Coming along just fine. Folded up. Now, some things have age changed. Out. The energy the and door. passion is not what it used to be. Yeah. At this stage, fewer and fewer people are doing more and more of the work. The commitment level has gone down. And the risk-taking has backed off. And in replacement of prayer meetings and evangelism outreaches is more and more meetings. Now, you can hang in there as a church for a long, long time until something triggers the next stage. What triggers the next stage? Well, maybe a long-time beloved pastor just leaves or retires. Or maybe whoa, a program whoa, whoa. that used to be awesome kind of goes <laughs> downhill leaves. and he you just, stop like, it. Maybe like, there's an industry in town, like it's for us it was Air Force bases. Really they used to bring in new people from <laughs> all over town, then the Air Force bases shut down, Look and there were a few people to come into your church. <laughs> maybe funny. something happens in your church. But inevitably, for most congregations, after a time of status quo and plateauing, they go into a time of decline. Now, I don't have to come to church on a Sunday morning yes, to see do. a church <laughs> in decline. I will know it instantly if I can walk in the buildings. Because in a congregation that's in decline, the buildings will tell you because they are not maintained. They are museums to the 1970s. It I actually have something to say about this just very quickly. Um, I went to a new, ridiculously fast-growing church uh, recently, and their buildings looked terrible, as if the church was growing so fast that they couldn't keep up with it. And um, so it was just interesting, because it kind of counter counters that statement. But I think, yes, he's right on the... And generally, you can see when, like, the buildings are falling apart. It smells bad in the bathroom. The kids' areas are kind of grimy. And as a consultant, I come in, kids I point out and say, you know what, these are really neglected, run-down buildings. And the people Our in that church are, are so deep in denial, <laughs> they'll go, oh, no, they're not. They're fine. Grimy. They're they're just and good enough ours, for I us. Mean, our actual biological they won't children, even see our ministry kids. That decline has begun to set in. And if it's not dealt with or talked about, the final stage is death. And in Europe, when a church closes, it becomes a museum or a music hall. In San Francisco, when a church closes, the property is so valuable, it usually is turned into condos. But a once growing and vital congregation is now a congregation in steep decline, and some of them go out of existence altogether. What's my point of this, and how do I turn it Back to the book of Joel. We're all going to die. Here's what I just want you to know. Today, in America, 65% of all congregations are either plateaued or declining. And this year, 8,000 Christian congregations will close their doors and cease to exist. God, what's going on? 
Well, I don't claim to be the smartest guy in the world, but I can put it all together. Sometimes he does, though. And make the obvious conclusions that the locusts are eating us alive. The spiritual locusts. We all have our locusts. Some people have locusts of selfishness or, you know, self aggrandizing or what we want and some people I feel have like this is the weirdest analogy guapo. that's not what this so is not for, for Joel the locusts were actual locusts no it's a three musketeers callback you know what people who nobody literally no one's going to get it that's not true 30 to 40 for year old males in our audience <laughs> donate a dollar to our patreon account <laughs> for you your El guapo is the actual El guapo the cause of christ in so many places, spiritual locust is definitely going on a T-shirt. <laughs> into decline and heading towards death. So, does God have a word for us in the midst of this reality? He does. Just one. It's a word of restoration. Yeah. The word. It's from Joel chapter two, verses twelve <laughs> and thirteen. Yet even now it's declares the, the Lord. I mean, I guess that's what we call it. Return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rent your hearts, not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger. I can't hear the words rend your garments without thinking of Hulk Hogan. He will relent from bringing disaster upon you. It is time for the church in America to wake up and see that the locusts are eating the very heart of the life out of the church today, but it does not have to be the psycho... I think the worst news is it's like a horror movie. The locusts are coming from inside the house, guys. We are the locusts. Yeah, go on. Can be reversed. A breakthrough can come and restoration can happen. You say, how? Because this is important. I agree, and here's how. I can summarize in one word what could spark a change in the American church to bring it back to a cycle of growth and vitality. Stop being terrible one to the LGBT community. One word will kick it all oh, off. Geez. I hope you're sitting at the edge of your seats. Wondering what that word is. The word is humility. Oh, no, that's a good word. No, that's a good word. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. I was going to make fun oh, of him because no, that's, that's two words. <laughs> he will raise you up. The Lord wants us to come to groups with the fact that we've invited the locusts of, of devastation devouring in, into our churches because we haven't given God our whole heart. We've taken back some of our commitment. Mm -hmm. We've taken back some of our passion. We've taken back from him being our first love. But he invites us to put it back in his hands again. To say to him, you know what? Lord, we haven't given you everything because if we were giving you everything, you would be blessing and blowing this thing up with vitality and growth. And so, Lord, we acknowledge that. We're sorry for that. We don't want to be like that anymore. Help us, Jesus, so that you can start blessing us with passion again. And if the church will get serious about being in that posture, here's what the Lord promises to do. After those days, says the Lord, I will pour out my Holy Spirit Woo. on all flesh. He's just waiting. He's just waiting for us to want it. 
He's just waiting for us to seek it. He's just waiting for us to prioritize it. To say, Lord, we don't want to do church anymore. Jesus, we want to do the passion of your Holy Spirit in and through a church going forward. And we are ready to let you cleanse out of our lives and out of a church anything that's in your way if you will replace it with just more passion for Jesus Christ. This could be the turning point, and it needs to be. And I'm that hopeful. awkward situation where I agree with him so much, I have nothing I'm to say. There are tens of thousands except of churches. Makes a terrible podcast. Well, well, except yeah, let's do it. But, but it's good shepherd. Oh, that's hard. Is it, though? Yes, yes, it what is. What is hard? What is hard? Why? Change this is, is hard. I, I don't. People are, ch- people are, change is hard. It just is. And you have to be okay with that. But people need to get over it and just be okay with things changing and understand that, you know, this song might not be about them. Not all the time, anyways. So much. I just, I don't know. I don't, maybe I'm flexible or something, but so much has changed. I do not understand why people come to church but don't want the whole thing. I do not understand. It's not that they don't want the whole thing. No, it's that they it's think the, they have the whole thing. Well, they're wrong. And that you're changing it. And they like what they have. And people are comfortable. That is not at all what we're called to do. That is not at all the life that Jesus has for us. And people are just so satisfied with just living the 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 religious All right, life. put the gavel down, Judge I'm sorry. Kathleen. I just, no, it's not judgment. It is just I am bewildered by people like that. They have a genuine feeling that they don't want to change. You can't change them, but, but they okay, do need to change. You can have a feeling that you don't want to change. It's like, oh, I don't want that. But what I do want is a full life filled with the Holy Spirit and everything it has to offer. And I don't care if that means that I get sent to wherever in my life, if I have to leave behind my home, if I have to change the plans I had, if that's what God is calling me to, I want that. And I do not understand what people don't want that life. It is scary to give something up. Even with the possibility of gain? You don't trust that God's going to make it what he wants to make it? I do. But it's still scary. We're still animals. And we still have to walk out into the dark and trust that God will be there. You're not walking into the dark. If you are trusting God and you are listening to God, you are walking into the light. It is obvious what is out there for you. I mean, I guess it goes back to last week. It's like, surrender it then. I'm not all in for anything else. This is like the big deal. This is it what, is. This I is agree. the one thing that you have to be all in on. And if you're not, it's not about what we do. It's not about what we, sorry, it is about what we do. It's not about what we sing or how we worship. It's about what we do. And when the emphasis is on how you worship instead of the emphasis being on um, whether you're doing the go and make disciples thing, whether or not you are loving one another as, as God loved us, it, like I... Those things are important. And when we're missing them, but we're focusing on the little things that happen inside the walls of our church, I just think that we're missing the point entirely. I agree, but it's really easy to get focused on the trees and miss the forest. It's really easy to get focused on the work and miss the purpose. It's really easy to get focused on the things that you're used to doing and forget why you're doing them or why you started them. I think that's the whole point of the sermon is that People are creatures of habit, and you just kind of get in habits, and we got to break out of the habit, and the way we do that... I hope he says something funny. One word. Holy Spirit. (laughs)
suffered too far gone to enter into a cycle of revitalization, a rededication to reaching people for Jesus, and a new excitement to be his followers and be called good shepherd? Are we too far gone? We are not. It is not too late, but it's time to wake up. Here's some good news. There's nothing wrong with most plateaued and declining congregations that a massive dose of the Holy Spirit won't reverse. And he will send that spirit and renew our cycle and refire our passion. Okay, I'd just like to say that I, I, it very much confuses me when he starts going through the cycle and then he says that the Holy Spirit won't reverse. If I were going to do an image of it, it would be that the Holy Spirit won't shoot us through the bottom of the cycle and start us back up on the uptick again because... Because it's, it's a cycle, and it, and it goes in a circle. If we will want it and seek it like nothing else. Let me wrap this up. Can the Holy Spirit bring fresh vision? Yes. And renewed passion? Yes. That reverses the cycle and restores growth and vitality I'm not gonna say to a the cycle stuck that's ridiculous. congregation? Yes. If the people in that church want him to. You say, well, of course we want him to. Why wouldn't we want to give we all of ourselves our and all this church back to Jesus so that he could make it everything that he wants it to be? You know what it is? I lived so much of my life without Jesus. Yeah, I get it. This is it's, all new to you. It is like, it is so much easier. Like, oh, hey, you, what do you want to do this Sunday? I don't know. Sleep in, go to Denny's, do whatever I want all morning. And then... You commit to Jesus and your Sundays and your Wednesdays and your life. You have to treat people nice all of a sudden. You have to be kind. Your heart has to be in it all the time. And it's like, why, why be that way when you can just sleep in on Sundays unless you really believe in what Jesus is? And you live it every day, and you think that it make that you're living out a calling, that you're that you're living that promised life, and that's what I don't get. It's because I've had no the, one like, here disagrees with sitting you. on a pot belly on my couch, like licking the the milk going down my face on a Sunday morning. That I'm like, that is why? weirdly descriptive. Why? Well, I mean, no one here disagrees with you, and we're all confused why you're yelling. Nobody would resist that, <laughs> <laughs> except for somebody who had the Fruit Loops. That's not true. Yeah. A lot of people are resisting the inbreaking of the Holy Spirit in our time. So ironically, this message, which was supposed to be a word to us, does end up being a word specifically to you. The Lord asks you this morning, how desperately do you want to see this congregation or the one that you're in? How desperately do you want to see the church of Jesus Christ? How desperately do you want to see the cause of Christ restored in our generation? How ready are you to give him your whole heart? What does that remind me of? And to prioritize the cause of Christ and get in and build up a great congregation for the next generation. Amen. Our answer to that question will determine the next... You should note that my suggestion was that he ask individual people during the sermon (laughs) to come in. Do you want the Holy Spirit to come? All right, 
somebody take a picture, write their name down. Do you want the Holy Spirit to come? Because it's so easy to sit and listen to the sermon and shake your head and be like, ooh, I do want the Holy Spirit. I do want this for my church. But I also do want... But also the carpet needs to be red. It's yes. been red since carpet I was Carpet being 12. red is a very safe place to go. Next 20 years. The carpet is not actually red at this church. Shepherd. You were brought here today. Who made that decision? Because he has a word for us. What is it? Seek me. That is two words. Oh. <laughs> no, but he means Don't a word, like a, like a Jesus-y word. Seek me. <laughs> that you never possibly dreamed. Amen. All right. That was tight 15, Pastor. Uh, yeah, you know what? We turned it into a loose 30, but. We can edit. We will edit. Because I went on a rampage. <laughs> All right. So that brings us to, well, hopefully in the future, we will have feedback here, assuming PTW actually listens to our podcast and provides feedback. We will give him an opportunity to respond. <laughs> so feedback from the last episode will go here. But since we don't have that yet, we're going to move right to our closing segment. And I think everyone's favorite segment of... Which movie should you have watched instead of listening to this podcast to get the point better? Do you have one for us? Um, do you want me to go first? You go first. I have. All right. I think I thought of the best one for this whole sermon series. And I think it goes really well with the locust theme. Well, the locust eating everything theme. Um, and then a restoration of both the land, the spirit, and the family. I got all three in there. Go on. The Lion King. It's a story of a, a lion cub who needs to face his past sins, repent for his past sins, and him repenting for his past sins, making his family and himself whole with his with the spirit in the sky, if you will, his heavenly father, restores the land. Restores his family, restores his spirit. It covers the whole gambit. Now you've been singing instead of thinking. Have you come up with one? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Wait, I, I'm sorry. Can we just acknowledge how great that example is? I, I We watched Lion King the other day, and as I was watching it, I thought, like, I told Dane something like, um, like, oh, um, like God called Simba back to Pride Rock. To, it, it is a great restoration story because Pride Rock is literally restored. Um, well, and there's literally a song called "He Lives in You." Yeah, no, um, <laughs> it's it's like a perfect. It's a very good Christian allegory, right? Simba falls away from the life that he's called to. Um, it, it it's pretty good. And Dane literally calls me and he's like, "Mom, there's no God in this story." <laughs> it's just like God's everywhere, even well, at Disneyland. That's anyway. So um, I was thinking. In, mine was so much more cynical. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of uh, 101 Dalmatians. Roadrunner. And you're all the Dalmatians. No, Roadrunner and Wiley Coyote. Because <laughs> I was like thinking of a, like the uh, Wiley um, ha- is always like trying the same basic stuff. And like to like get Roadrunner, like I uh, I'm we're gonna bring people into this church by doing this, but I'm gonna use pretty much the same basic like. I'm gonna decinify your thing and say that we are Wiley Coyote and then we should look at him as an example of 
It doesn't matter how fast or how often we fail. You keep trying and you keep going back to Acme. No, that's stupid. And Acme is the Bible. No, that's stupid. And you try that's new stupid. things. You try You're a different thing every time. Wait, trying new things is stupid? Yeah, trying new things on your under your own power is stupid. The whole point is Wiley Coyote needed the Holy Spirit, and if he had just had the Holy Spirit, he finally would have caught Roadrunner. That's what I'm saying, is that we can create new programs, we can create new choirs, we can create new, uh, put new carpet down, we can bring in new instruments, we can do all of the things. It does not matter. Not one single thing of it matters. Nothing matters that we try if we don't have the Holy Spirit. That is the thing. It will never be blessed. It will never be good. It will never achieve the mission, no matter how clever we are if we try to do it under our own power. And maybe that doesn't need to remember very well. And maybe that's a stupid analogy. Hey, thanks for listening. Please be sure to rate and subscribe because it helps others find our podcast. If you'd like to contact us, you can email us at backpewpod at gmail.com. And if you want to support the show, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com backslash backpewpod. We'll see you next week, and we'll save you a seat here in the back pew.